When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here. Playoff week part two. First ever post-playoff victory edition of a Bengals podcast. We've all, we've all, everybody sent out the text now. And now it's time to do the week two of the playoffs edition of that. Is that make any sense jay that was just butchered see if this wasn't live i would just cut and we would start all over <laughs> i knew what you meant and yeah. i i have a i i kind of disagree with that whole nobody has ever sent a text about a Bengals playoff win because i'm pretty sure some text went out after Vontez perfect intercepted that ball in the in the meltdown at paul brown before before the jeremy hill fumble and everything that happened there but uh, this one truly a momentous occasion where people can send an official text that the Bengals are advancing. Yeah. How many of those texts had typos is the question because, uh, <laughs> you know, drunken fat fingers in the cold gloves. Like that's what I want to know. Percentage of clean text rate could not have been high. You know, that's what I, that's actually the numbers I'd be interested in in clean in a number of ways. Even if they did talk to text, it probably wasn't clean because there was probably some slurring. No, you're a big talk to text guy, Jay. Like, even if I'm just walking next to you, all of a sudden I hear you made you saying something. And I look over and you're just like doing a talk. I didn't, I not, I don't know a lot of huge talk to text people. Maybe, maybe there were some that were doing that after the game and it was just woo. Like, with like how many O's will it do until it just cuts you <laughs> off and series like stop? This is unnecessary. I can't see without my readers on. So if I'm walking along, I don't have my readers on and it's, 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 uh, it will be a bad text, but I know people kind of laugh because I do talk to text and I talk my, my, my grammar, you know, my, my punctuation. I, I say comma, I say period, I say exclamation point, whatever's needed. So I, I, I do, I get ridiculed for that from time to time. These live rooms skew young, Jay. I don't know if a whole lot of people are going to be commiserating <laughs> with your readers, uh, but we, we, we shall go move on. All right, Bengals-Titans, 4.30 on Saturday. Let's talk about it. Um, the latest bit of news to come out, Larry Ogunjobi officially placed on IR, and Xavier Suofilo uh, brought up. He's been in that 21-day window, which was about to run out on him, I believe. And so they make that move with that spot clear. That ends Ogunjobi's season. So foot injury, no chance that he comes back. 
what they're going to do and what this defensive line is going to look like coming up against presumably Derrick Henry and the Titans' powerful run game is going to be a storyline of the week, right? And I'm sure you guys will have questions about that. We'll take them. But for now, I mean, health-wise, you have B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader. But after that, you have Tyler Shelvin, I guess, who's been obviously a big disappointment, the fact that he has kind of stayed in the background. Um you know, unable to get off the practice squad. You have Mike Daniels, who is hurt. He is out. You know, he was sort of one of your backups. Josh Tupo, he got hurt. He could potentially come back uh, this week, but I think you're probably looking at a less uh, lesser percentage of Josh Tupo. What is 70% of Josh Tupo? Is that better than somebody off the street? Maybe. Um, but, you know, they're going to be trying to work him back in practice and see if he can play. And after that, you know, right now, Ren was on the practice squad. He got hurt. You're, you're looking at a certain point at um, moving maybe a cam sample inside, but you don't want to be undersized. There's just, you know, you're you're going to the street, and it is slim pickings this time of year. You're not going to be pulling all pros off the street uh, on January 17th. Uh, so that's kind of the big story there and based on this news. But let's um let's jump into some questions and, and see what you guys have. Uh, I'll start right here at the top. If you want to talk, uh, just hit request to talk. You'll go in line and we'll try to bring as many of you up as we can. We don't get to everybody. There's just not enough time. I talk too much. Uh, so but we'll do our best to get to a bunch of them. Let's start with Jack M and bring Jack M up onto the stage. Jack, how are you doing? Can you guys hear me? You can go on the show. There's Jack. He showed up. Just took a second. All right, Jack, how are you doing, buddy? Give us a question. What you got? Sorry if I'm a little hoarse, but um, my question (laughs) is, um, so I I know that this team will never come out and say this because of the attitude that Joe Burrow has sort of uh, given this team, but do you think there's an element of Zach Taylor's game planning that says we're going to be much more aggressive than usual on Saturday because, you know, we're kind of playing with house money now, uh, for lack of a better term. That's a good yeah, question. Yeah, you're right. Jack. They'll never say that, but it is, I mean, that I don't think anyone, maybe they've got, they, maybe the people inside the building hoped to be here right now. I don't know if anybody realistically expected this to happen this soon, but I don't know that, I don't know that it's a house money situation that's going to make Zach be more aggressive. I just think that's what gives them the best chance to win. We've seen it the last three home games. Maybe they ride Mixon and get conservative against the Ravens. Nope. Maybe they do it against Mahomes and try to avoid a shootout. Nope. Maybe they do it in a playoff game. Uh, it was a little more conservative, a little more leaned on Joe Mixon, but they still put that game in Joe Burrow's hands. Um, I just, I think that's what gives them the best chance to win. And I think that's what we're going to see. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jay, because I've been spending the last hour breaking down some of these numbers. I have a story about sort of their decision to release the Kraken here and (laughs) and just and turn everything to being all Joe Burrow. And I, you know, our guy, Mike Sando has the cook index, which famously started from let Russ cook right a few years back. And why won't they let Russ Wilson just pass? And that came down to a number that was essentially the first. 28 minutes of a game which take out everything from the two-minute warning into the second half on where situations change depending on behind whatever and just on first and second downs how much do you let your quarterback cook let him throw in those neutral situation downs 
Well, you know, they, the Bengals came out of the bye. And for four weeks, it was, okay, we're going to be a run team. And we're still a little nervous about really exposing Joe. And so they were 45% run rate in those situations. Uh, the expected points added on all of those plays combined was a negative 3.41. The last four weeks, counting just with Burrow, just the Burrow games, counting the playoff game, they are over 60% in the cook index and expected points added 16.9. That is a massive shift that you've seen happen. And it's played out. They've gotten ahead in these games. They haven't wasted so much of the early part of these games, establishing the run and trying to get all that. They're just, they're just giving it to Joe an extra 15% of the time in those spots. And it's paying off in a big way. I think this is who they are, who they have been and who they will continue to be. They recognize the run that Burrow is on. I mean, he's on a special run. I'll have more in the story about how special this has been, but it's been one of the greatest runs you've seen in the, in NFL history in terms of not making mistakes and still putting up big numbers. Again, I told you guys I talk too much. It's part of the problem. Uh, but uh, more to come on that uh, in in the athletic. You can look for that later today. I'll go to let's bring another one up on stage here. Let's go and bring up Mike C. Mike C. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Mike. Um, I'll keep it uh, short and sweet. I know uh, we just got the news about Larry. Uh, who do you think? What are some names of people that they could possibly bring to help? I know in the chat they were mentioning uh, bringing Gino back. I don't know if that's a possibility, but um, who are some names we could look at to possibly? You know, I, this is a Q&A, and we're supposed to have the A's, um, but I, I have a big question right now. Maybe Paul knows the answer to this one, but uh, I don't necessarily know if it has to be someone off the street. My, my question is, can they still go pluck somebody off of another team's practice squad, a team that is done for the year, or are their practice squads frozen? I I will have to look into that, and I'll let you guys know, unless Paul knows the answer now. But that's a big question I have, because that may be the better way to go if you can, because you have a guy that's been working out and practicing and is you know, feasibly in better shape than somebody signing off the street that maybe hasn't played all year or hasn't played in quite some time. Yeah, a lot of these teams, it switches over to being onto the, you know, the long-term off-season reserve list um, once their season ends and there's not necessarily a practice squad. Uh, I mean, names, Geno Atkins is not coming back. I can say no. that definitively. I tweeted that yesterday. Geno Atkins is not happening, just so people want to know it's it's not an option. Um, and so – that was a funny thing that Jesse Bates said, but I think, you know, that was Jesse kind of more goofing once you actually looked into it. That's it's, it's not an option. So you're talking about who else is, I mean, it's going to be, it's not going to be a name that, you know, I mean, freedom who was here at one point, right. Um, could be a guy that could come back just because at least he's been here. They tend in these situations to go to somebody who maybe has been here. Xavier Williams was a guy they brought off the street last year. To be honest, it's been such a hemorrhage so fast. I hadn't exactly been tracking what has happened to the guys they plucked off the street mid-season last year. They've been <laughs> unbelievably healthy. We were just talking about how Mike Daniels hadn't played all year because unbelievably nobody in front of him had gotten injured and now all at once. I think, you know, the, the onus falls on to Steven Radicevich, 
your player personnel guy, your NFL player personnel guy to kind of have a list that they can run through and keep an eye on to go after. But in these situations, they've often gone after names that they have had in the building before that might have some familiarity there. Either way, you're in trouble if whoever that name is, is playing significant snaps for you. And, and that's possible. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. See if we can get Austin K. Are you with me? I am. Do you got me? Yes. I got you. Sounds great. All right. Perfect. All right. So question for you, gentlemen. First of all, I appreciate all you guys do. I think this is uh, the best uh, call-in talk show podcast in Cincinnati. It's uh, a bunch of educated people talking, so I love it. Love it. And uh, so um, three years ago, Zach Taylor said, we are only going to bring guys into this organization that were leaders in college or leaders in their old organization. Now think back to like, Marvin Lewis era, all I ever remember from that character seemed to be secondary. So tell me, do you think this team is so fun and exciting because it's the first Bengals team that is playing as a team in such a long time, right? You had talent, but I don't think talent wins games like the Kansas City game or the playoff game. Do you agree? I would agree, Austin. I'm going to tell you a story on that question. It is 2019. It's sad, right? Like the locker room is awful. Everything stinks. They're awful. I think they're oh and whatever they are. And we're standing in the middle of a sad, empty locker room. And Brian Callahan walks through. And he lo- he's loved to chat. I'm still getting to know Brian at that point. But, you know, he, he would love to stop and talk to us. And we're just st- talking. And we're kind of talking. I think we were even off the record. And we're just talking about team building and how the hell do you fix this? And the concept of character and came up and he told a story about, I think he had read the book or knew people at the Cubs and was talking about Theo Epstein and how Theo learned over the course of time that the reason that when he knew that they were going to win the world series was within the middle of that last game he looked in during the rain delay and saw the team was in just rallying around each other. And there was this like fun moment of them all doing this. And he's like, I had, he said he had built this team that was so focused on creating chemistry through character and guys that love each, love the game and love being around each other and like, and have this charisma and, and seeing the difference that had made. And, and he's like, you see that across every, the talent is just, so much the same across the board. He's like, we overvalued that element because there's just so much talent out there. It's all about the guys that can get into a locker room and create that one whoosh that takes teams up. The best teams, the ones that really make the run are the ones that just put all that special chemistry together and it lifts all boats. And this was when they were owing whatever they were during the and 11 streak. That was always the vision. And so when they were evaluating players along the way, there was, there's a percentage of both, right? You're always playing talent versus character, but they purposely, and Zach Taylor said he got, he learned this at the Rams. He said, when he saw how the Rams did it, it was by doing this. This was a Sean, this is a piece of the Rams turnaround. This was a piece of Sean McVay's philosophy was valuing this more. 
And that's why Andrew Whitworth went there. And that's why they sold Andrew Whitworth and paid him so much. They saw his value in that respect too. And so when they did all of that, you end up with a locker room of these guys. And that's why they're, this chemistry thing has been so special. And it took one more churn through one more off season of kind of moving all of those guys in the right direction, I think, to create it. I think you're exactly right. I, it's absolutely the difference. The talent level is just so much the same across the board in this league. The ones that really have that chemistry that creates a resilient team that can come back like the Bengals have often this year and make that one last play tends to be the difference. Sorry, again, I talked too much. Long-winded answer. Yeah, I don't have much to add other than, you know, it's it's amazing that we haven't been in the locker room the last two seasons. Imagine how many more stories like the one Paul just told with Brian there would be. And yet, even though we haven't been in there, you still see it. You see it when these guys, when one guy goes to leave a press conference and the other guy walks in and the banter between them and the connection and just how how tight and how how much fun these guys are having. And yes, it is a little bit of a chicken and egg question where does chemistry create winning or does winning create chemistry? But whatever it is, this team has both. I would agree. And and actually the Theo Epstein thing, I think um, was a, it was actually a commencement speech that he made at Yale. Uh, Hmm. I remember because after he told me, I remember going back to the media room and watching the speech and I don't know if I ever wrote about it specifically or not, but it was a, it always stuck in my head as something that was always kind of a core part of their vision, even in, even in the dark days. Um, all right, let's go to the next question and I will bring, uh, Robert E up onto the stage. Uh, Robert, you can, uh, come join us here. Hello. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hello. How you guys doing? Great. All right. So I was at the game as for many people were and, I just felt like the game plan was – I just saw Zach tighten up in the second half. I know there was no touchdown scored by either team in the second half. I just felt he got so tight. And we've been talking about putting the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, and I just felt like he got so tight. Do you, you guys see that? Or, you, you know, it's like you're playing a different team. It's not the Chiefs. It's the Raiders. But, you know, in this ne- in the divisional round and maybe in the championship, they got to go take it. You know, So are we going to see that come out of them, or is it going to kind of be their downfall? I mean, I think a product of that was the fact that they were playing with the lead. Um, and I, I, you just see that more in in postseason games where it, it does at some point become a matter of, of eating clock and, and not necessarily playing it safe, but just playing it smart. I, I, I don't know that you're going to see that this week unless they happen to jump out to a lead again and then it just, it makes sense you have a running back that can that can carry the team and eat and churn the clock and if as good as burrow is if, if you've got the the play action if you got the running game working you can do play action off of it you, you can pick your spots for the more aggressive throws but i i just think he zach saw what his defense was doing they they were stopping the raiders they they weren't they weren't getting three and outs, but they were shutting them down in the red zone. And it, it it's just every game you go into a game with a game plan, but you have to adjust on the fly. And the way that game was playing out, it was it was looking more and more like it was going to come down to the wire like everyone expected. And it was it was kind of a, a clock and lead management type of approach. I thought it was interesting that, you know, we heard kind of 
again, Zach Taylor a little bit admitting where he felt like he, he messed things up or didn't, or didn't get it, 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 you know, playing as well as he hoped and talk about not being able to find rhythm in the red zone and putting that on himself and, and in his play calling there. And I think that, you know, I think that um, was more maybe part of it because it's not like they didn't get down there and give themselves opportunities. I don't know if they tensed up other than uh, the fact was they just weren't able to put the plays together to put it into the end zone. That really would have put the game away. I mean, they were one or two plays away on a few of those drives from just ending it. And it wasn't like they were banging their heads against the wall with mix. And I, I do think they were trying to get the, the run game going continuing to go a little bit more when you saw that first drive of the second half it started to break a few long ones i think they thought they could get a little bit more out of that but it it didn't feel conservative to me it just felt unsuccessful um and 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 mostly because of the problems in the red zone and i think that's something that they're aware of and we'll see you know why if they pinpoint why they felt that was uh all right let's uh try to keep it moving here and bring david f up on to the stage while well, you're coming on up here. Give me a second. There you are. You with me? Dude? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Sure. Can. Yes. Hey, so I'm calling. I'm a. I'm. A, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, but I moved to Boston, so it's been quite on. You know, insufferable for the last. Uh, you know, five six years being in title Town, but now that we're in this position, and everything coming out of the locker room is like, hey, you know, we expected that. Cool, calm, collected. I, I kind of look at it a little differently. Like I want to trust that they're really confident, but like that was such an emotional roller coaster, not just for the city, but I also believe for the players. Like, how do we manage, you know, how do they, how does the team manage that emotion going into this game? Right. Cause you're hearing everybody saying we're at borrowed time. Like Derek Henry's coming back. I mean, the Titans, this is a beast of an opponent. Like how, how does, how does this team mentally check into this game? Well, I think you, you saw the difference after that that win, and and, and Joe Joe Burrow's comment I thought was was perfect when he said, "This isn't the icing on the cake. This is the cake." And if any of you have seen his post game interview on the field, just that approach it was it was a party atmosphere in the locker room. You could hear the music thumping, but it it didn't it didn't sound quite as raucous as after they beat the chiefs to clinch. I think that was the big release and kind of the, the proof that they belong. And now, yes, you're going to, you're going to celebrate a win, a playoff win, as everybody knows, is hard to get. They don't come around here very often. Um, so they were going to celebrate it, but they weren't, it wasn't going to be the new year's Eve type of celebration that the fans had. It was more, it was more satisfaction and, and let's go out and celebrate this for a few hours and then get back to work. I, I, you, we've kind of seen it. There was the questions all year about can they handle success? They jump out to the five and two start and then they lay the egg. I don't want to say they laid the egg in the Jets. They, they had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and they let it get away. Uh, but they, they had games this year where it looked like they had things rolling and then they backslid. Um, I think they learned from that. And, and I think you're going to see a, a focused and confident team preparing this week for the Titans. You know, here's the thing, even the outside, I, I think because it was so emotional for fans, it meant so much to the city, and it, it was hard to disassociate yourself from like, well, they must be feeling the same thing too. They really weren't. 
which is which you know is not not all of them. It's certainly not the majority of them. I mean, those that have been around. And we, we talked on the podcast about Tyler Boyd and uh, all of his family that were partying on the elevator when we came off, which was great. There's some that had been around. CJ Uzama was emotional. Sam Hubbard talked about that. Guys that have a better understanding of it. Yeah, but, you know, so much, I just really think of really the core and a lot of the best players on this team are so new, so used to winning, so focused that, you know, dialing in and understanding the longevity of the run and understanding, you know, this, believing that this is just the first step of many, I I don't think that was fake or just feeling like they were saying the right thing to appease the media or kill the storyline. I think that was real. And I think the one thing in all the research I did for the Burrow story last week on on what that it factor is with him, people talked so much about he has this innate, unbelievable understanding of human dynamics, how to deal with people and how to set a tone. And so when he was so chill and downplaying everything after the game, I think that's partially who he is, vastly who he is like that's who he is. He's always. If you, unless he's putting on national championship ring on his finger or really winning something big, you're, for the most part, you're going to see that. I also think he wanted to remind everybody of the tone that needs to be carried out this week. And I think that was very much on purpose. So if you're talking about being dialed in for this week. They follow the lead of nine. And he set that tone immediately after the game. And I think that's going to continue on through this week. I have zero concern about this team being like too high on themselves or feeling too good after they've already done it because Burrow has all eyes on much bigger thing and has not hid that at all. And everyone sort of moves in in step with him. And that's the beauty of having that guy. That's the beauty of having a real leader like that is, is you know, you can keep everybody on track. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, let's try to move it on and uh, go on to the next. I'm going to try to bring Daniel N. up onto the stage here and see if we can make that happen. Daniel, how you doing? You with me there? I see you on stage. No. Nope. Hey, okay. guys. Sorry. Oh, no. Hey, Daniel. Hi. Sorry about that. I, uh, I'm home with my daughter today, obviously, because of COVID. Uh, yep, I knew that was going to kick him off. I hit the oh. button. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the button like right as he was about to talk. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel. Daniel, nope. re- request to come back on stage again. I see you. I'll try to bring you back up here. Okay. Unless there's another Daniel and I think we're about to bring him back up on stage. Hopefully here again, we're going to try to do this. It's not perfect. We're doing our best to, we're doing our best to work through it um, and, and make sure we get everybody up on stage. Uh, I'm going to try one more time here for Daniel. I don't want to. All right. Hi guys. I see you, Daniel. Here we go. Hey, welcome we back. back. Thank Hi you. guys. Uh, no, sorry. I'm home with my uh, daughter today. Uh, she's well. She's had a fever, so I'm just stuck at home. But uh, no, thanks for doing this. I love uh, your coverage. I'm actually uh, born and raised in uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I live in Eau Claire, and I've been a Bengals fan since I was four years old. So wow, wow. Enemy territory. Yeah, I. Uh, I wish I could tell you why I became a fan, but I was a naive four-year-old, not realizing what I signed up for. Um, uh, but no, I just wanted to say how much uh, that game, I was at a buddy's house this weekend, and uh, I must admit, that was probably one of the coolest moments I've ever watched. Um, but I was just wondering, how much do you guys think 
uh, Henry's going to get the ball on Saturday. Do you think they're going to try to do a, they're going to split it up between him and uh, Foreman? Or do you think we should expect a lot of King Henry on Saturday? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's tough to know being, you know, removed from that team. I, I would suggest uh, it, you guys follow Joe Rexroad, who covers the Titans for us. He may have some better insight early in the week until we see what the practice looks like. I don't. I'd be surprised with with the injury and how how long he was off. If if he would be a hundred percent, and by extension get the huge workload that we've seen in the past. But, you know, you get into these playoff games and the, the old cliche, there is no tomorrow. Sometimes people, they do what they need to do and something they wouldn't do in a, in a regular season game. But it is, it's it not being down there and, and seeing what he looks like in practice and that type of thing. It's really hard for us to kind of guess on what his workload is going to look like. Absolutely. Uh, go to the Titans page. It's the beauty of the athletic. Go over to our, our Titans page. Uh, and Joe, I'm sure, has been writing endlessly about Derrick Henry and his possible <laughs> return and how he looks. So I would check out that coverage. And he, of course, will be on the podcast with us later this week. So um, if you want to just check it out there, you can always check it out there. And we have him on. We'll get a lot more information by the time we get around to, you know, to closer to Saturday. I'm sure that we'll have a better idea of what the vision probably is for the Titans. I, I honestly, I, I differ a little bit from you, Jay. I would be surprised if we didn't see all king all day i just i think you know the amount of time that they getting the bye week off and the extra time and he's been back in the mix for them for a little while in practice so i just feel like if he can is he's close enough that he can suit up and take five handoffs that dude will take 25 handoffs you know it just seems like that's just kind of the the freak of nature that he is i wouldn't put it past him but um they're certainly antsy to get him back into the game plan all right let's uh try to keep it rolling here i uh, got about 10 more minutes let's go to Adam P and bring Adam P up on stage here. How are we doing, Adam? How are you guys doing? All right. Great. Doing great. I, I had a quick question about Trey Wayne's snap counts. And, you know, obviously we had Trey Flowers kind of following uh, Waller this weekend. And then even when Mike Hilton got dinged up, they brought in Hargraves first, where he got hit with a, a defensive hold on a big third down. Is, is Wayne's really that far deep in the depth chart, or is he just more better suited for the outside in that scenario? Uh, I would say the answer there is um, both. You mean, you mean $14 million gunner Trey Wayne's is that who we're talking about? Cause that's what it's, that's what it's turned into at this point. I mean, that's what he's playing. Uh, look, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of exactly how this all happened. Um, injury, not meshing with the coaching staff. I, I don't, I don't know any of that, you know, for sure. Um, on what it is really playing into it, or just the fact that he didn't play well when he had a chance to come back specifically against Denver. Uh, but he's down there, and <laughs> and he's way down there. And they don't, you know, you're talking about Trey Flowers, a guy who's in off the street, Vernon Hargraves, guys who are in off the street. I mean, you can't even if they're slightly better suited to play inside or or cover a tight end, whatever we're talking about here. Uh, we're also talking about guys that were cut. Trey Waynes is not built all that differently. Um, and you're paying him $14 million. So I, I think that tells you all you need to know. We can make excuses we want to about how certain body types are better to go up against somebody. You know who's better to go up against a star player? 
a guy who makes $14 million versus a guy who is on the street. So I just think it tells you everything you need to know what has happened. It's always in the snap counts. It all, the answers are always in the snap counts. And, and I think we know where this one is at. Um, let's try to go on to another one here and uh, bring our next person up onto the stage. And I will try to bring Ben W. up onto the stage. Ben, are you with me? Right there up. it is. There yes. you are. Hey. Hey, Ben. Uh, followed you guys for a long time, Paul. Just wanted to say thank you for all you do. And uh, you really enhance the experience of being a fan, man. No problem. Um, Thanks. I just wanted to ask uh, what advantage you might think there is in beating the Tennessee Titans last year or if there was uh, anything we could take away from that other than we beat the guys in the same uniform. No, I mean, that's a that's going to be a big topic this week, right? I mean, th- that was maybe their best game of the year. I mean, I think you could make that argument. Um, and they came in and they had that totally reworked offensive line and it didn't seem to phase them. That was a different Tennessee defense. That Tennessee defense was not nearly as dynamic. They really could not rush the passer, and and that hurt them. And they're a much better defense this year. I mean, they're a top five, maybe better than that type defense. So, um, But success against them, success against Ryan Tannehill. Don't forget, Zach Taylor coached on, with Ryan Tannehill for eight seasons between Texas A&M and Miami. He knows – Ryan Tannehill, probably as good as anybody outside of Tennessee uh, and maybe better than them even uh, as far as as a quarterback and some strengths, weaknesses and things like that. So I think there's advantages in that. Um, It doesn't hurt when you beat them up last year. So, um, yeah, I think both teams are much better than they were at that point. But there's there's certainly some stuff you can glean. Yeah, that, that defense, that Tennessee defense was 28th or 29th in the league last year. Um, it, it wasn't just the pass rush. They struggled with a lot of things. And it, Paul's right. I think that was their best game of the year. I don't know how much that carries over confidence-wise, but if you remember back, they they had that, that really explosive game against the Browns that they lost in the last second. They come back the next week and, and beat a playoff-bound Titans team really well, and then they go into the bye, and it feels like everything's clicking, and then – the, the rough day at Pittsburgh happens and then the Burrow injury and, and everything went south after that. It would have it would have really been interesting to see uh, how that offensive would have responded after that, that big Titans win last year if everybody had stayed healthy. Yeah, yeah. and no doubt. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how much that plays in. Let's try to just sneak a couple more in and we can wrap it up here. Isn't, Nata- isn't Natasha B our friend in Hawaii? That is, yes. It is. I, any opportunity where we can go to yes. Hawaii, you know I'm going to take. What's up, Natasha? How is the weather in Hawaii? I'm staring at snow right now. Make me feel good. Well, can, can you hear the waves? I'm on the beach per your request. <laughs> yes, I do. We can hear, hear them. It is 72 degrees and sunshiny. It's awesome. I need that. I need that in my life. Can you hold it? Can you hold it up to the ocean one more time for me? <laughs> Right there, right there. Anyway, uh, sounds great. Uh, um, I just wanted to, I don't know too much about the Titans. I don't think I've seen a single Titans game this year. So I was just wondering, how do you think the Bengals match up best against their defense? I know you just mentioned that they have a really good defense. Is that pass rush? Is it against the pass, against the run? Where do you think the Bengals might find some advantages in this game? 
You want to take this one, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the question. Always good to hear from Hawaii. That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this. I mean, I think, you know, the Titans have some big boys up front, you know, and Simmons in particular, I think, can really give you a lot of trouble. We'll dive a lot more into the Titans as this week goes on. Mm-hmm. I'm not as well versed on them yet um, as I will be probably in the next 24 hours here. but. Um, I think you, it's like you're just not afraid to throw on anybody, and I don't. They don't. They're not going to be a team uh, that's going to totally scare you in the secondary. I, I think you can throw on them, and I think you believe that Joe Burrow can and these weapons can throw on anybody right now, and, and that's really important. Now, I mean, their defense is good. They've been playing great football. You look at the last five weeks. I they're they're second uh, in points per drive allowed. You know, they're they're a very good group. But I just think you're ready to take Joe Burrow in the passing game against anybody right now. And, you know, the Titans aren't exactly, you know, there's there's not all all pros out in their secondary. They have great players. Uh, they they certainly have some some guys that can make plays, but you'll take your weapons every week. I mean, maybe the most interesting matchup is Randy Bullock against Evan McPherson in the kicking okay. game. Could you imagine, Jay? <laughs> Could you just for one second? I already have. Randy lines up from what? What do you think? Does it have 51? 51 at the gun? Randy? That's rough. I mean, that's a long one, but it could. It could. I mean, you, you, I, I think mean, the Bengals fans. down to. I've never wanted anything more. I mean, I just, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do want that. Uh, but you know what? I think Bengals fans would take that. How many Bengals fans right now, how many people on this call, I'll, I'll move it up, would sign up right now for three seconds left, <laughs> Titans trailing by two, Randy from 44. How many Bengals fans would sign up for it? That's what I want to ask yourself that question. Would you sign up for that today? Or would you say, no, I'll take my chances. Let's just play the game out and see what happens. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that. that's a great question. I, I, I did, I, I did do a quick peek here. The, uh, the, the Titans defense has kind of that uh, weird dichotomy that the, the Bengals do where they're really good against the run number two run defense in the league. And then they're number 25 against the pass. Um, and, and they do have Bud Dupree who the Bengals know well from his time with the Steelers at linebacker. So it's, yeah, I, I think, like I said, when we started this thing, it, the ball is going to be in Joe Burrow's hands and, if it comes down to a kicking game at the end, I, I think Bengal fans can feel confident um, with with Evan McPherson on their side and Randy Bullock on the other side. I just can't I, even imagine. I just can't <laughs> even imagine what it would be like, considering the you know the, the Randy Bullock revenge game. You know, could it could oh, it come yeah. down to that? Unbelievably. All right. All right. This has been fun. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll have our regular uh, Hear That Podcast ground, so you can come check in there. And uh, then we'll have our episode on Thursday. Then Jay and I will be headed down to Nashville. Hope I'm guessing we might see a few of you on the streets on Friday night uh, of Nashville, Tennessee, as people are one to do hit Broadway down there. So if you see us, please say hello. Uh, and hope everybody enjoyed the live room. We will uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.